0: Father God, we pray for the gift that you promised. We pray for uh, the presence and indwelling of your Holy Spirit here this morning, that much would be changed in us so that much can be changed through us. Uh, we pray that your kingdom would come in all of its fullness and all of its fruitfulness here this morning, that every gift would be activated, that every ministry would operate, that we would minister one to another for the building up of your community of faith, that, that faith would grow in us individually and corporately. We pray that this would be an all-play morning, that everybody would be in the groove, in the zone, in the kingdom. We pray that many would be healed uh, today, so that many would be healed outside these walls this week. Uh, We pray, Lord, for your voice this morning, that you would speak clearly to us so that we might speak for you in our workplaces and classrooms and living rooms and street corners. Let your kingdom come uh, we incline to you, minister to your people here in this section of the service. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says. Hey, I was just, uh, during, during worship, I was just having a good time uh, and listening to the Lord. And he just spoke what I felt like was a word of wisdom. That has nothing to do with the sermon, but, you know, I just thought I'd share it. A word of wisdom is just like how things get done in life. It's not necessarily specific to any individual uh, but, but the Lord said, um, uh, when, you need, when people need to make a change in life, sometimes they think it's easier to change a circumstance than it is to change themselves. And he gave me the image of a person who's, who's trying to, like, lose a little weight, you know, and uh, is it easier to go to the gym and lose the pounds, or, it, or is it easier to uh, to go buy uh, a new shirt? <laughs> okay. Oh. It's easier to change your shirt than to change your life, right? Uh, we are people of life change uh, we uh, we sometimes reach out for changing circumstances we change uh, we change our job or we change our partner or we change our church or whatever because that's a lot easier than changing ourselves, right? So I just felt like the Lord wanted to speak over the congregation this morning that. We should be changing ourselves, and that makes for a magnificent life and not an unstable and meandering life, and uh, we all want magnificent lives. True or false? True or undecided. We're working on it, but, but yes. Anyway, for what that, that is worth, what we're really talking about uh, this morning, what we've been talking about for a few weeks is this thing called Revival. Uh, this phenomenon that we see in the Christian church. A revival is a time where it seems like uh, the Lord shows up in a uniquely present and powerful way and that uh, ministry happens in a particularly uh, potent and, and easy way on earth. A lot of people's lives get changed very quickly. Everything intensifies and all magnitudes increase. And uh, Christians have taken to calling those, especially powerful seasons in church history, revivals or sometimes renewals or outpourings or something like that. Uh, And uh, I feel like talking about them in in this season, uh, number one, because I just have a sense in my spirit that a season of revival or renewal is coming for the church, not just ours, but this is the one I'm in, so I'm thinking about this one mostly. And so it, uh, it behooves us, it is appropriate for us to really think about these things and to put ourselves in a position to dig the ditch so that when God sends the flood, the water has some place to go and we can give it some direction and some purpose. Uh, so that's number one. Uh, number two is because I feel like the Lord prophetically directed me uh, to, uh, to talk about revival. And it's always good to do what the Lord says. Go ahead and write that down. That's like really advanced pastor wisdom type stuff. Uh, do what the Lord says. The thing about revivals, uh, as we have discussed, uh, these outpourings, these remarkable seasons in the church, is that they seem not to be constant, right? Uh, It seems like they should, uh, but every once in a while, things tend to come together. Uh, The Lord just kind of shows up a little extra sovereignly or something like that. And it begs the question to me, why, why the up and downs, you know? Why hasn't the church just sort of lived in remarkable outpouring for the last uh, 2,000 years? Uh, one, one answer to that question is, well, you know, it kind of has. There's never been uh, a season on earth in which the church hasn't been growing remarkably somewhere on the planet. You know, uh, the march forward for the people of, of Christ has been, uh, has been remarkably consistent. Over the last two millennia but but for most of us in most places there' this kind of an up and down why why the cycles uh, why why the up and why the up and downs because you know when it 's good when it 's peaking it 's so very very good, and like a lot of things in life i I think there is a seasonal aspect to it because it works it works best that way you know it 's like uh, it 's like uh, fruiting plants that need winter in order to store up energy for producing fruit in the spring or, or something like that. And, and praying about it and thinking about it, and, and I've thought about it a lot over the years, I think that there are times of, there are down times in the history of, of our, our walk with the Lord, our walk as a church, Because it takes seasons of yearning. It takes seasons of longing to perfect our faith. Every once in a while, we just have to go through a drought, and that causes us to put down roots a little deeper. It causes us to spread our branches a little wider. It causes us to yearn for things that we're missing. You know, sometimes in life, if you have too much of a good thing, you take it for granted, right? Um, you, get, you get spoiled, you get lazy, and, and you forget to be grateful. And you don't use the resources that you have in life as much as perhaps they could be used. Just give me snaps if you know what I'm talking about and experience that. We're Americans, by and large. We have too much of many good things, uh, a, a privileged sort of life. And sometimes it takes our edge off, and it takes our purpose away, or at least makes it uh, fuzzy. I think the down times in life are often for what you might call uh, the, the refinement of our yearning. It, it begs the question in our lives, what are you missing? What are you yearning for? And uh, I've had a lot of down times in life. Um, I think a lot about what I'm yearning for. Uh, We want more, generally, in life. I mean, I always want more from life. I don't know about you. I always want more from God. I always want more from myself. Uh, That's a constant. Uh, I'm always yearning for God, definitely. You know, I always want more of God's presence in my life. I've had these high moments in my life where I've experienced the presence of God in particularly tangible fashion, And, and... it's challenging for me to describe adequately what those moments have been life, but like, but they've all been life changing. And I just I yearn for that interaction, that sort of potent interaction with God constantly. I'm constantly hungering for that. On the one hand, because I've had it, on the other hand, because I don't have it currently, you know, those two things go together and make me a yearner. It focuses me on God. In a powerful way. But ultimately I think if all goes well, those seasons of yearning in our life and in our corporate life should produce a yearning for fruitfulness at all costs. I think more than anything else as followers of Jesus, what we should want is fruitfulness, is kingdom fruitfulness. We should want our lives to be meaningful. We should want our days on earth to really count for eternal stuff. More than anything, I think life is for ministry. If life was just a waiting period until you get into heaven, then, you know, we could all just die today and it would be good. But you have days on earth, right? You have a span of life and the purpose of your span, on li- span of life, more than anything else, is to minister to other people. There will, be, there will be a moment in eternity where you get to stand before God. You'll be close with Him like forever. That's coming. Right, there will be a moment in life where your worship of God will just be resplendent and constant. That's coming in the next life. But this life, this life is the one in which you can save other people, in which you can help restore them to a relationship with God. This is, this is the only shot that we have on that. This is the, this is the emergency in our days. So that's why I say more than anything else, life is for ministry. That's the purpose that we're here. And our yearning should really be focused on that. I crave fruitfulness. I think many people are driven to seek God because they crave meaning in their life. I think it's part of the human cre- uh, condition so fruitfulness at all costs. And I, and I think that yearning for fruitfulness has a real connection with revival. That's what I want to focus on this morning. You're prepared for revival if you crave fruitfulness, if you crave making a difference for other people, if you crave being part of gathering people into the kingdom, then we're ready for revival. That's That's really what I think is coming, and that's what I think it's for. I have a a scripture in your program this morning. It'll be up on the big board. It's from Luke chapter 13. Uh, It contains uh, Jesus telling a parable, but it happens in a context. So we're going to read the whole thing. Now, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Um, this was sort of a current event of the day. Uh, Herod was sort of the traitorous king in that he was an illegitimate Jewish king. He was a puppet king of the Romans, and, and uh, he was a very oppressive, murderous sort of individual. Uh, and there were some Galileans who were sort of the hicks, uh, the backwater of Israel at that time, and, and they got into disfavor with with, uh, with Herod, and so they were killed in particularly brutal fashion, and their blood was desecrated, and this was such a heinous act that it became famous throughout the land, and so so uh, you know the crowds around Jesus were like, what do you think about this tragedy, this in, this you know this horrible thing that happened? Uh, what's got up to? What do we do about stuff like that? So that's what's going on. They told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices, and Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. And here's an interesting transition. But unless you repent, unless you change your mind, unless you change your approach, you too will all perish. Or how about those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? Another tragedy that was famous that day. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? It's a tree with no fruit. It's not producing. Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it. And I'll fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. So the tree gets a little bit of a, of a reprieve. Uh, what's going on here in this story? Why did Luke include all of this and organize it uh, this fashion? Well, you know, much like, much like us, we get these terrible headlines, right? And, and it's the tragic and violent things that happen in society that get the headlines, right? They get uh, sensationalized, um, and we've had lots of disasters, man-made and natural, uh, in in the headlines recently. And and they just they arrest our attention, don't they? Because they're just so incredibly brutal, and and easy to sensationalize. And it's it's easy to fixate on those things and to, and, and to make those things the object of your theological ponderings. You know, why does this stuff happen? Why do, is God judging people? Is that why the building fell on them? Is that why they get shot in the massacre? Uh, you know, and, and these brutal politics, what about that? You know, and they just sort of, they consume our attention. And Jesus interacts with this and says, look, you're… You know, not not that those things aren't terrible, but you're kind of missing the point. Um, Do you think that these people were judged by by God because they got brutalized uh, in this fashion? That was sort of the theology of the day, incidentally. If God loved you, you were blessed. If God found you uh, inadequate, then you were punished in real time. That was kind of their simplistic view of God, and Jesus is like, you know that's not how it works. The fact is bad things happen in life. Buildings fall on people. None of us know how long we're going to live. I mean, a terrible accident could happen uh, today. What is the point? And if he refocuses them. He says, look, repent or perish. That's the point. Repent or perish. Change your approach to how you think about God in life or, or you will perish. And it's clear that when Jesus talks about perishing, he's talking about it in some more fundamental and absolute and eternal sense. Um, so uh, that's all very sobering and bracing. And then he tells this parable about the, the fig tree. And I think this is a pretty straightforward parable. You know, the point of every tree is to produce fruit, It's to produce good stuff good nourishing stuff, and if you don't produce the fruit, then you will perish, right, then you're going to get cut down, um, if, you're a good, if you're a good gardener in the vineyard, you know, what you try to do is to fertilize the trees to produce fruit, do everything you can to make each life as fruitful as possible, the gardener comes off looking really good in this parable, um, and then that, that's the end of, of the passage. What's going on here? Um, humans tend to be obsessed with by why bad things happen to people. Jesus tends to be obsessed with why people don't do good things. You think that's, that's true? Does that strike you as true? People tend to be obsessed with the bad things that happen. Jesus tends to be obsessed with why people don't do good things. It's not the evils that are perpetrated in the world. It's not the evils that happen in the world that really God is concerned with. It's why everyone's just not doing good things around the world. And that's how he sees our life as well. And it's worth thinking about individually because what do I think about day in and day out? I think about why bad things happen to me why things don't work out for me. And I think God is looking at my life and and saying, Jordan, why don't you do more good things? I'm giving you all of these resources, all of these gifts, all of these opportunities. Following? Great point. Very potent passage. Um, There's a sober warning with respect to fruitfulness. Produce fruit. Produce, what what does fruit do? Well, I mean, it provides nourishment. It provides seeds. Fruit is nourishment and Reproduction in the plant world. Produce reproduction. Or you're going to get cut down. You know? And the thing that really gets me about that is it's not a one-off warning. There's all sorts of Jesus warnings on the subject. You know? You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, if you stop flavoring the world, then it's good for nothing except to be thrown out and trampled by men. It's a very harsh warning. Look, make a difference. Dot, dot, dot. Or else, remember what the point of life is. Life is ministry. Life is about gathering people in. Or the cursing of the fig tree near Jerusalem, which is uh, very near uh, the storyline of the parable that Jesus shares. Jesus is walking by a fig tree outside Jerusalem one day. It's out of season. It's not even the season for fruiting. But Jesus goes to the tree, finds no fruit, curses it. Ultimately, the fig tree withers and dies and freaks out his disciples. And Jesus' point is clear. Look, produce, produce, or there will come a time where it's too late to produce. Uh, so many uh, Jesus teachings on the subject. It begs the question for me all right, all right, so what does production mean? What does fruitfulness look like? Because evidently this is really important to God, and, and, and I want to understand it exactly. And, and I think there is an imperative in the kingdom of God the kingdom imperative, the kingdom command, the fundamental kingdom command is, is, uh, is spread the kingdom. You know, the kingdom is designed to be spread from one person to another. Jesus said uh, to his disciples uh, multiple times, wherever you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. And then demonstrate it and gather people into it. Wherever you go, preach. Wherever you go, share the message. Wherever you go. Well, what's the, what's the exception? To wherever? That wherever is wherever. There is no exception. Like We should be about it all the time. 1 Corinthians 9, Paul picks up uh, the kingdom imperative uh, when he talks about being all things to all people in order that some might be saved. If you don't know the passage, here it is. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible, Paul says. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law uh, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel, the good news that I might share in its blessings. And Paul continued to do that until uh, he was beheaded for it. Matthew 28 in a passage that's called the Great Commission or the Great Command or the Great Imperative. Therefore, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. Surely I'm with you in this, Jesus says. Or my favorite uh, version of it from Mark 16. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all creation. That about sums it up. You know, like all creation. People, cattle, geckos. It sounds like it's all involved there. Just spread the kingdom, people seems to be what he, what he's saying. And we could quote many, many others, and some of you have probably memorized uh, similar verses. There's uh, it's just, I mean, that's really what seasons of revival are about. That's what the birth of revival in, in the early church was about. You know, our heroes in the gospel are Jesus' followers, the disciples, the apostles, the sent ones, the twelve that he gathered. Uh, and uh, I'm... Uh, I ponder every so often their lives you know, and, and how they died. You know how Judas died? Well, he screwed up and he died soon, there af- soon uh, after Jesus did. But, but the apostle Peter, he was crucified in Rome uh, late in his life. He was probably uh, in his 60s because he refused to flee uh, from Emperor Nero when Nero had decreed death. Uh, for Christians in Rome. And it was more important for Peter to preach the message there. Uh, Andrew, his brother, the first, the first guy to follow after Jesus, was crucified in Greece after preaching in Turkey and northern Iran. So he died for it as well. Uh, the apostle James, the first apostle p- to be killed, he preached in Spain, uh, but he was eventually killed in Jerusalem by Herod Agrippa for refru- refusing to stop preaching. in in Jerusalem. Uh, The apostle Simon was crucified for preaching in Persia, which is uh, like modern-day Iran. Uh, The apostle Jude was clubbed to death for preaching in in Persia. That was creative. Just beat him with clubs uh, until he died. The apostle Philip was crucified in Persia uh, after preaching mostly in Greece. The apostle Nathaniel may have preached as far away from Israel as India. He may have gotten all the way to the India. But he was killed in Armenia, and he was killed by being skinned alive until death. That was lovely. The apostle Matthew was killed in Ethiopia. By tradition, he was killed while conducting a church service. And the apostle Thomas was speared to death uh, on a beach in India. Uh, For preaching the gospel there in a way that people did not like. In other words, all of the apostles were killed for evangelism. They were killed because they were trying to save people. I I think Jesus probably would have been proud of that. But it convicts me. You know, if they're willing to die for it, am I willing to live for it? And that kind of seems to be the kingdom imperative, the fruitfulness that Jesus is talking about. And as a result, I yearn. I yearn for more. Evangelism. I mean, let's just use the word. It's become uh, a word out of favor, I think, in modern society. I remember when I first got to college, um, and uh, I got involved in, in a Christian group on, on campus, and uh, and I got involved in some. Uh, administration politics on campus as well early in, in my freshman year, and I was having some discussions about spiritual life on campus with some of the administrators at the university that I attended. And I remember walking in, we had a sort of a conference, a little a little meeting uh, about uh, spiritual life on campus. I was invited to take part, and I said, oh, I thought, oh, well, this would be interesting. This will be interesting. The, the university administration wants to promote spiritual life on campus. We walked in and sat down and received a lecture on the dangers of proselytizing. Do you know that word? Proselytizing. That's a gruesome word. I don't know. It, it, sounds, it sounds like a, a really painful medical procedure. You know, when you turn 50, you've got to get proselytized and uh, be really uncomfortable. Um, You know, it's like people invent worse and worse words to describe gathering into the kingdom. It's almost like there's a principality in the world that wants to stop us from spreading the kingdom at all costs. That's what it sounds like to me. Evangelism, not as bad as proselytizing, but it's a word that has fallen out of favor. Maybe because of the televangelists of uh, of the 80s. Uh, they sort of gave that a, a bad name. But all it means is sharing the good news, you know. It's what evangelism means. I yearn for evangelism, and I yearn for kingdom encounters unto evangelism. More than anything else, what I want to see is us producing reproduction, gathering people into the kingdom so that they can get plugged in to the love and the purpose that God has for them, because life is for meaning. And when you get plugged into God, you fall into a life in pursuit of meaning. I mean, you get to make a difference for people. You know, I love that. I love to spread that passion. I love to spread that purpose. If you're here today and you're a seeker, you're considering God, well, that's part of my good news for you. Yeah, God has something for you. It's a life of purpose. It's a life of meaning. It's a life of calling. Ultimately, it's an eternal life, which is a pretty big retirement bonus. But even in your life, in your days on earth, I mean, there's stuff for you to do. There'll be some peaks and there'll be valleys, but there are great experiences ahead for you. Jump in and try to make a difference. Don't just jump in. Jump in and try to make a difference. God is calling God is calling. Don't waste your life any further. If you're a believer, maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, you know, my message to you doesn't really change much. Jump in and make a difference. Jump in and make a difference. Don't waste your life any longer. You know, we've got some fertilizing if you need it, but oh there 's reproduction to produce. There are people that God has appointed for you to influence that you might save some you might win some, as the apostle Paul said and I think that should be our driving force in life and driving force when we come to church. you know it 's great to walk with God, but more more than worshiping God in His presence, I think in this life we should be passionate about saving people. More than praying to God and hearing His voice, as exciting as that can be, I think in this life we should be passionate about saving people. We have eternity to talk to God and listen to what He says. Uh, if the issue has to do with perishing, to use the word that Jesus used in our passage today, I, I mean, if there's a threat of people perishing eternally, then that seems like the emergency that we should all attend to, right? Oh my gosh, people are missing out on an opportunity for eternity. That seems kind of grisly. Um, We should get those people plugged in so that they can reproduce as well. Bottom line, with respect to eternity, uh, I think this is the message of the Lord for us. Yearning for evangelism is the key issue. Yearning for kingdom encounters in which we get opportunities to evangelize, I think is the key issue in revival. That's really what it's about. And that's what we need to focus on. As revival approaches, and if you're joining me in thinking about revival, I I don't want to think about just having more of God's presence. Although, I love that. Right. Every time I encounter God's presence in a potent way, my life changes. If we're praying for revival and and miracles of provision, it's not about just seeing more supernatural miracles. Although I've dedicated a large portion of my life to ministering supernaturally, and we get so many cool stories from that. Right, uh, just so many cool things going on. These God sightings and people's lives get changed through healing or or deliverance or or words of prophecy, and that's all really, really cool. But ultimately, all of those things are means to an end, and that end is reproducing and gathering people in. That's really what we need to be obsessed with, you know, doing doing the good things, producing fruit. That seems to be what Jesus is obsessed with. That's what he keeps talking about. So, you know, there's some provocative questions here. Do you care about evangelism? If I looked at your life, if I looked at your life over the last 365 days, would I be able to, to determine that you care about evangelism? Is um, I, think, I think that's what Jesus is looking at. As he looks at your tree, so to speak, <laughs> your, your particular fig tree, your particular vineyard, whatever, I think, you know, I think he's wondering about whether or not you produce good things, whether or not you produce reproduction. You know and, and that's just kind of the sober message of scripture uh for us, and you know, and I've got to look at myself in the same way am i Am I being productive enough when it comes to reproduction uh in, in in the world? Am I yearning for that properly? Is that what I'm praying about, or am I just praying about all these crises and evils that I have to overcome? Ah, it's a great message. What do we do then you know what to do uh with all of this? Uh, I think happily, you know, as a church, we've done most of it. I think uh, we're positioned pretty well for, for, for gathering in. I love it. It's very hard for anybody to walk into Blue Water and hang around for any length of time and not have their life get changed. Would you agree that that's true? I, th- I think that's kind of true. I think this is a pretty changeful place. That's one of my favorite words, changeful. You know, I'm, I, I don't know if it's a real world word, but it's really... It's a good one. I want I want to be a changeful place. So if you walk in, you hang out. Uh, you're either going to change, or you're going to feel really uncomfortable. <laughs> and and I, and I I think we've done that. Uh, I think we have great gathering pots. You know, we have these things called Ohana groups, which are just fantastic. You should all be in one. Who's in an Ohana group? It's like these midweek meetings. We get together in homes or offices and stuff like that, and. And, and, and it's an all-play thing. We all minister to one another. We all share life with one another. And most of our cool stories come from the Ohana groups. Uh, we'll be sharing a few in the next couple of, of weeks uh, as 90-second uh, testimonies, uh, I believe. So we have a good place. We are a good family. We are a good community. Uh, it's just time to... It's that time. It's that time to reproduce. You know, couples always go through... Uh, that time in marriage where it's like, oh gosh, we've been married for a while and you know, we've been working on the marriage. We've been working on you know, focusing on each other and getting along really well and blessing each other. And then there kind of comes this moment like, maybe we should produce some life. Maybe we should get reproductive. You know? and, and that's kind of like, it's a thing. Uh, that a lot of marriages uh, go through. And then, and then it just brings a whole new set of challenges, you know. Uh, sometimes there are obstacles and barriers to being reproductive. And that becomes, well, it becomes a yearning. It becomes a focus, you know. There are a number of couples right now that are in that place. Like, gosh, um, this isn't as easy as, as we had hoped. Um, and then, if you have the kids, there are a whole set of issues and obstacles and challenges that come with that but there's 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 that stage where like well maybe this is the stage of reproduction uh, in this relationship that we've all fashioned together and I, and I think I think we're at that point you know uh, we have been reproducing sometimes accidentally that happens too i pushed this analogy too far so I'm just going to stop there but you know we've We've seen new life. We've seen new life. But maybe there's a moment that has come upon us where it's time to pursue it, you know, to get intentional about it. And I think that's the issue where revival is concerned. I think that's the crux of the matter. I think that's the point. So what I'm going to do about it uh, and what uh, I invite you to do about it, well, I mean, one thing I'm going to do about it is sort of keep my eyes open and to keep, to keep trying to gather, to keep preaching wherever I go, uh, to keep my ears opening open to you know, words of the Lord and directions from the Lord every time I walk into a Starbucks or something and look around every conversation I have. I'm like, wow, could I, could I get some new life happening here? Sure, I'm going to do all of that um, and try to get better and more powerful at it and look for Jesus to show up in those moments so that I can do what He's doing in those moments. Definitely, I'm going to do that. But I'm also going to pray. I'm also going to pray. And, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray according to how Jesus suggested I pray in this regard. He says that what I should do is pray for the Lord of the harvest to raise up workers for harvesting, Matthew 9. He said, don't, don't, don't pray that God would show up and save a lot of people. It's not what Jesus says to do. He says, the harvest is ready. We got people out there, and they are all seeking after purpose, and they're all seeking after meaning. You could not ask for a better harvesting-type situation. The problem is that there are too few workers, Jesus said, Matthew 9. So pray for the Lord of the harvest to raise up evangelists, to raise up gatherers, people who preach the Word and make invitations, people who testify about what God has done in their lives and make subsequent invitations to the people they're talking to, to share and to invite, to share and to invite, to share and to invite. I'm going to pray for people who do that obsessively because I think the opportunities are out there. So to close, uh, this particular sermon, uh, I, I, want to, I want to pray for the raising up of evangelists. And I just want, I just want you to join me in that. And maybe today is the day that some of us make a commitment. Maybe today is the day that some of us make a commitment to just jump into the kingdom for the first time. It's like, you know what? I want meaning. You know what? I want interactions with God that are changeful. Oh, and frankly, I would like eternity as well. And if that's you, then... Maybe this is a morning where you get to just commit, right? Uh, You don't decide and have everything settled once and for all. You commit and join in the journey. You commit to jump in and to follow through on church and training and discipleship and ministry. That's what you do. And maybe this is a morning of commitment for you. But maybe it's a morning of commitment for those of you who just want to commit to the harvest. Just want to commit to yearning for the right things so as revival comes, it's incredibly fruitful. So let's just pray for that. Father, uh, we pray as Jesus commanded us to pray. I pray, Lord, that You would raise up workers in the harvest, I pray that you would uh, develop in us the proper yearning for reproduction. I pray that in this union that we call church, we would honor the moment, you know, we we would decide that this is the moment where we intentionally reproduce, where we start going after it. The structure Jesus gave us is to pray that the Lord of the harvest would raise up workers for the harvest. So I'm going to ask for your sovereign work in this place, Lord God, that you yourself, Father, by your Holy Spirit, would speak to individuals right now. We're listening, Lord. I bless you with production in Jesus' name. I bless you to see yourselves as, as fruitful trees. I bless you to see yourself in a season of blessing. Be revived in your spirit. Join me in faith. The moment is upon us. Let's pray for you in Jesus' name. Uh, Receive uh, more yearning in the name of the Lord. And I want to pray for you in Jesus' name. If you're one of those people here this morning in a position of just making a a commitment to God generally for the first time, uh, I bless you for your faith, for your commitment. Your life is about to get very interesting. just pray to bless those individuals people if that's you just uh, just receive Uh, pray Lord that you would sharpen your calling in these lives that you would visit them personally as the Lord of life Move them from believing in God to actually trusting in God. Relying on God. You're in a good place. Amen.